0: Hey, everyone, Fraser here. Uh, This was a second conversation that I had with Brian Dunning and Richard Saunders, where I had some questions about the nature of the skeptic movement, where we are now, where we're going, what does it mean to be a skeptic in the modern age? And so I, you know, I've always considered myself skeptic. And Yet, I've sort of been on the outskirts of that movement, which has tarnished its reputation in the last few years, in my opinion. So I bring this up with the guys, and they help sort of explain what place skepticism has in sort of modern life. All right, enjoy the conversation with Brian Dunning from Skeptoid and Richard Saunders from The Skeptic Zone. They're not going to be able to see anything.
1: Did you hear this thing that Sean Kirkpatrick said? As he's leaving, uh, yeah. How he said, "Boy, I really hope it's aliens, because if not, we've got a lot of really crazy spacecraft whizzing around in our skies that must be Chinese." You're, he has concluded that it's extraordinary craft. Uh, your
2: phone uh, just turned off again. It keeps doing. My memory. battery must be dead. I mean, it no, shouldn't be. No, it's got about halfway. It must be. A... Oh, well, it wasn't on record, so it just went to sleep. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Okay, you had ahead and started the recording yet? Well, hi, everyone. I'm Fraser Cain. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. And I have gathered together two of my favorite members of the skeptic community,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Brian Dunning, <laughs> Richard Saunders, they're right here. Hi. And, and I have been thinking a lot about the role skepticism plays, scientific knowledge, scientific literacy. How can we navigate and help other people navigate this world today? And so I wanted to just ask them a bunch of questions, free form thoughts about this. Um, when did you guys become, Brian, when did you become a skeptic? Uh,
1: well, I, you know, without knowing that there was such a thing, certainly without name, I mean, I guess I'd always been one as far as I can remember. I will couch that in being a science communicator and knowing a lot of people in science communication. We all grew up obsessed with science fiction. Many of us had all the books on Ghosts and hauntings in the Amityville horror and Bigfoot in the Loch Ness Monster in the Bermuda Triangle and all of these weird things and I believed every every word of it so um, Although I say now that I even would say consider myself a skeptic back then I just didn't have any tools mm. or any knowledge with which to filter these things but I my curiosity about what was really happening with them I would say is what really distinguishes a skeptic. It's not to simply stop at the popular explanation. It's a ghost. It's paranormal. There's The supernatural is a real thing, period. I, I believe that they all had some natural explanation. I just didn't know what it was. So I would say that I've pretty much always had a skeptical attitude and had the curiosity to go all the way and find out what's really happening. Richard? Well,
2: when, when Brian and I are very similar age and... He's, he's, old, he's older, I'm though. a bit older than yeah. him. We grew up in the same era. And, uh, you know, people of our vintage will well remember the fad, the craze of the paranormal from in the 1970s, largely spurred on by Uri Geller and that sort of stuff. And when I was an impressionable young kid, Bigfoot, Loch Ness, Monster, Aliens, it was almost like any day now, this would be revealed because, <laughs> and that's my and and as a kid, absorbing all this media and this sensational, interesting stuff, and I was just driven by curiosity. That's what got me into skepticism. It was not wanting to to um, debunk at all. It was wanting to know. Yeah. Where are the aliens? What does the Loch Ness monster Loch Ness monster look like? <laughs> you know.
1: I couldn't believe that everyone else wasn't as horrified of Bigfoot as I was. <laughs> This thing's this running is around true, the forest and nobody seems to care. That's <laughs> what we were told
2: yeah, by everyone, the media. It was, yeah. And people who said, no, it doesn't exist, were were written off. Well, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. Of course, Bigfoot's real. But I think why I'm a skeptic or why I have the attitude I have is largely d- driven by curiosity, wanting to know what's really going on. And this, having the skeptical side, which I've, I've uh, absorbed over the last three decades, or whatever it has, means I hope that I have a better grasp on what's really
0: going on. So mm. it's, it's a very good tool. For, for me, it was demon haunted world. Mm. And I, like, I always been into space and science and science fiction, all that kind of stuff. And so I was reading a, a bunch of books. And I was making my way through Carl Sagan books and really enjoying them. Pale Blue Dot. Yeah. And and then I got my hands on Demon Haunted World. And I actually had no idea what the book was about. It was just a Carl Sagan book and I was going to read it. And he went into explaining the dragon in your garage Uh mystery. Yeah. And how... You know, if a person is explaining to you that they have a dragon in their garage and you say, well, can I come take a look at it? And they go, well, you can't because it's invisible. And you're like, okay, well, there's got to be some other way we can do this. Maybe an infrared camera. No, because they're invisible to infrared. And they just keep yeah, just yeah. sort of pushing the the goalposts away. You start to go, wait a minute. This, this dragon this, might not exist.
2: This happens again and again and again in skeptical investigations. When I, You might have come across this to yourself, but what I'm been investigating or testing people or whatever the case may be. This dragon in the in the garage repeats and repeats and repeats. Yeah. Oh, I can't be tested by skeptics. Oh, it normally works but not today. Uh, and it's it's astonishing. Yeah. You know, he was so on the ball with that analogy.
0: And and I think what I got from that was what he called the baloney the detection, detection kit, kit. Yeah. detection kit, <laughs> yeah. as a, as a, just a framework to examine claims that are made to find out whether or not there's sufficient evidence that you should believe them too. And the other thing was, uh, like, an enthusiasm for science for yeah. the for what the outcome of a scientifically educated populace is. That it's such a good thing that if people do understand science, then everything does progress. Because of all of the ways of thinking, of the different philosophies that we have, science delivers results, and not, not you know not that other philosophies don't as well, but 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 our modern world is just the outcome of all of this science. And so, what role do you think skepticism has in our modern era?
2: Oh, it's it's a changing role. I mean, when the when the modern skepticism began in the roughly in the 70s, or you could argue in the 60s, because James Randi was doing things, you know, that's why he had his original um, prize. His original prize, I think dates back from 1964.
0: There's like what, a million dollars if someone well, could... Yeah, I think, well, wait, I it, think turned, it was like a thousand, 10,000 or something. He,
2: he was on a radio program and he was challenged to put his money where his mouth is. And he did. He wrote a check right on the spot. And I think that was either 64 or 65. But but there are various, you know, over the years it went up to a million dollars. But in Australia, it's a $100,000. In California, I think it's, it's yeah, half a million.
1: 500000 yeah.
2: Whatever, whatever the case may be. But skepticism has changed in, in all those years where it was... Uh, you know, and my heart still lies in in, in the exploration of, of amazing claims. That's what I love to do. I love to investigate amazing claims because it's it's just what I mm-hmm. think is fascinating beyond belief, driven by curiosity. But it's, it's hard because it's a little hard for the modern skeptical movement because there are so many other fringe issues now encroaching. And people want us to do that. We hear it again and again and again. You skeptics should do this or you skeptics should do that. You're not a skeptic because you're not interested in my pet uh, problem at the moment with society. And I try to with the Australian skeptics, I try to steer a very narrow course. We stick to the core.
0: Like what's the core ghosts? (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, yeah,
2: it's it's well, it's 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 tough. You know, it, yes, it's ghosts. It's the paranormal claims. It's it's but it, it extends into things like we do a lot of uh, what you could call consumer investigations, stopping people getting ripped off mm-hmm. by false products, false cures, false remedies. And where it gets very serious is our fights against the conspiracy theorists when it comes to anti-vaccination. Mm. And, stuff. and that's very important. And, and that's straying a little bit from the core. And that's fine. I'm very comfortable with that. But when it gets, the sphere gets out to they want people want us to tackle social issues, and we start to say, "Well, that's not really." You but know. isn't that
0: what Carl Sagan warned us about? Like he, you know, he said, "What's the problem with people liking, you know, to 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 find do astrology, right?" And isn't it just fun to find out what your sun sign is and find out whether or not you should, you know, you learn it, a little bit about your behavior. And he is. said, he said. Yes, but you can imagine people taking this kind of thinking to the to another degree. And and I think, say, anti-vaccination, you know, anti-vax movements, things like that, where actual harm is being done. People yeah. are giving people homeopathic medicine yes. and thinking it's going to cure them from cancer. Yeah. Yes. You know, harm is being done. Harm is being these, done. And these are the things that Sagan saw immediately as, yeah. as the inevitable harm I think that's a very of important. this process. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And so do you think... How do you think about – like, Brian, how do you think about the harm that's being done by – where skepticism can provide the – at least some kind of uh, searchlight on it, right? So a
1: a friend of mine uh, once defined skepticism as the intersection between science education and consumer protection. (laughs) The more you understand about the way the world really works, what's real and what's not, the less likely you are to be ripped off or led astray or led to believe that some magical thing is going to cure your cancer yeah. or that you're going to make a lot of money through some multi-level marketing scheme. or I mean, There's a million ways that consumers are ripped off every day uh, because people are selling things that are, can I say bullshit? I don't know who's using this recording. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So it, it, it extends at the worst to life and death decisions about medical care or yes. vaccines. Yes. We just, I mean, no more, dramatic, um, no more dramatic demonstration ever than the COVID um, pandemic that we just went through. Um, so when you talk about what's the harm in grandma believing her poodle is psychic, no harm in that. And if you think that that's, if you understand that that's not real, you can have fun with it and you can enjoy the belief just like you can enjoy looking up your star sign and everything. But if you think it's real, then it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's more than just a gateway drug into other beliefs. It's establishing a thought pattern that, that is the, way, the one that you follow. And if you follow it, a faulty thought pattern to make life decisions, who knows how you can be taken advantage of? Because there are people who are very deliberately looking for people oh, yes. who believe in this or who mm. believe in that or who believe in this and they will take your money. So
0: they will take, like, do you think that how much of it is, is disingenuous then? Do you, like how much of it is people who are true believers trying to find other people to believe with them? Oh, a, lot of, how it, much of a it, lot of that. Okay, and then oh, how lot, much yeah. of it is people who are not true believers and are scam artists and are trying to take advantage of people? I, I, I don't know
2: what the percentage is, but I'll give you an example of, of uh, and I'm just writing a big report about it, at, about this at the moment. There's a, a system called bioresonance scanning. This is a, scan, a sham health system, right? The idea is you hook yourself up to, you hold electrodes or you put something on your head. It feeds vibrations from your skull or your body into a computer and the computer can analyze your complete health situation. That's Not amazing. A, that's a, I know, right? I'm going to invest in one tomorrow. <laughs>
0: yeah. I have and, questions about my health. <laughs> right?
2: So imagine if you could, and and we've seen this in, in operation, you sit there, you sit down, you put these things on and on the screen you see an image of the heart and a scanning, like Dr. Uh, uh, McCoy in Star Trek, a, a scanning thing <laughs> goes on your heart, goes bing, bing, bing and shows, oh look, you've got a pathogen here, you've got a, a uh, parasite here, this machine has analyzed your heart, your liver, your kidneys, your lung, your skin, and it'll send frequencies back through and zap them. Oh, so it, it diagnoses and, and cures. cures. Yep. <laughs> That's and amazing. so you're sitting there and you're watching and it goes, bing, 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 and then, oh, what's this? Oh, it's your DNA. And this is what's going on. Okay, so whoever... They're rewriting your DNA. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not? So here's the point. <laughs> Whoever created this knew full well what they were doing. Right. And this is marketed primarily to naturopaths who by and large don't have the scientific wherewithal and the medical understanding to know that they are being sold a load of baloney. Right. 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 but there's no way that you could get
0: there from the placebo effect.
2: You can't accidentally invent something like this. Right. Now, the naturopaths who buy it and go to training and and learn how to use it. They think it works. They think this is technology they don't want you to know about. This is why isn't it used everywhere? Ah, Well, the the doctors don't want you to know about this because they'll lose money. And they sincerely believe this. So their uh, patients come to their clinic, sit down. The patients don't know. They're told what the naturopath they believe in the naturopath. They look at this machine and they say, oh, that's amazing. You're fixing my liver. The point I'm making in the report I'm writing, apart from this as being an, obviously, an obvious scam from whoever invented it, is that these machines cannot detect the cancer that's growing
0: mm. in you. Right. So if you give a test with a person who has cancer and you say... You're fixed. You're okay. You're okay, and in fact, it's finding it's you know you've got cancer. You got
2: cancer, yeah. and two years later, you go to a real doctor, and they say, "Well, gee, if we only saw this two years ago, yeah. you know." Yeah. In
1: yeah. my mind, it doesn't matter so much if the person selling it uh, knows that it's a scam or if they don't know it's a scam. Uh, who knows what's in their mind? What matters is that you, as the consumer, have enough general science literacy that you can recognize. Yeah. Begin to recognize or at least separate some of the hooey from the reality. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where that's where the difference is made is in is in your self-protection. There's always going to be people coming at us to sell us things. Doesn't matter what their motivation is. Mm -hmm. What
0: matters is whether we buy it or not. Yeah. And as a skeptic when you confront people with beliefs they're Response is very rarely thank you for explaining this Has it ever happened to you? <laughs> thank you for I've had a couple of situations yeah, where, I've, yeah. where I've, but it but it was a person who was kind of on the fence, a person who had heard from somebody that this thing was true yeah. and 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 was already predisposed to appreciate my answer and so it yeah, was tough, sort of disaster averted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in general it is it feels pointless. It feels yeah, hopeless to me. To them, not, it is. It's not only hopeless; it's
1: it's often counterproductive. Yes. Whoa. You're, you're gonna create. You're gonna create more pushback you're gonna and get more wolves. Yeah. yeah and, and, and and at a minimum, you're gonna ruin what might have been a nice personal relationship. If you get into this with your friend, yes, you're gonna lose your friend. Don't do it. Um, my advice for people: I I don't I don't get into arguments with people. Someone believes in something weird. Go for it. I, I just keep my mouth shut because yeah. I've learned that there's just no upside yeah. 99% of the I time. I mean, I think
0: any any skeptic, anyone who even thinks skeptically or anyone who just feels the need to kind of mansplain this kind of thing to people yeah, has just been there. But, yeah. th-
2: but then you get into the uh, dragon in the garage very quickly. People will do, will un- unwittingly will start to do go down there mm, yeah. to protect. Because we right. all protect our point of view. Right. Yeah,
0: but but like like I, I there's a lot of like hmm. uh, call-in shows, skeptical call, skeptical call-in shows where they let the people come to them and present their evidence for whatever their belief is, and then they will then.
2: You mean like Matt Dillahunty? Yeah, like Matt yeah. he will
0: do with 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 his shows and things yes. like that, right? Yes. And I think that's a, that's a, like you came to me. Like I wasn't I wasn't you know, I didn't hear overhear you talk about what your star sign is and then interrupt this, you in the middle of your of your wonton soup and <laughs> and give you a hard time. You
2: make an excellent point because when I've been in situations because I'm I'm reasonably well known as a skeptic in Australia but, but that's just the way it is. People will come to me in social situations because they know who I am and start to say, What about? Yeah. And I always say Oh yeah, you know, I'm happy to tell you, but just remember, you came to me, <laughs> and because they get uh, uh, upset easily, yeah, when when I can't when not buy into their
0: arguments or whatever. So so that so have you guys had death threats? Oh,
1: all the time. I, oh, many.
0: Yeah. yeah, years
1: ago, I, I
2: got one from. I was on a forum for water divining. Yeah. And someone got particularly upset with me and threatened to do things to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, that was pretty strange. So, it,
0: like, but like, we're science communicators. People say something that we feel that there is insufficient evidence for. We explain why we're unconvinced by the evidence. And the response is usually angry, aggressive, like, like the feeling that I get most of the time is very vicious is the response that I get from people. Mm-hmm. I never get, well, you know, like this is your opinion. i have this feeling. da feeling da, da. It's like, it often is very clearly emotional to the point that, you know, we all said we've had death threats, right? Yeah. Like that is the, that's as far as it gets. And like, we're dudes like, you know, when you think about some of our colleagues women female colleagues I have a terrible time it's even worse terrible much worse Right. Much terrible. Worse. and 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 you know that is i think what's that about again i have no questions i have like i and for like for me as a skeptic i have decided that it is not worth it for, to have these conversations with people even even mm-hmm. when they come to me on my channel um, I just say, hey, it's not for you. Hey, I, you know, I will say I am unconvinced by the evidence. This might not be the channel for you. Yeah. go find a channel that's yeah, going to talk about. Yeah, more and more, about- I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah, 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 because I just don't want to have the conversation because it, it is, it, it is unproductive. That's
2: unproductive.
0: And it makes me feel bad. How do you get up every every day <laughs> and you put on your armor and go into these conversations? Like. I, I mean, my show is one-way communication, all
1: right? I mean, I put out a podcast and people can listen to it or n- or not. There's no comment section, you know. <laughs> um, I, I put out information that's as good as I can, making as good an argument as I can and showing the the benefits in as positive a way of I, as I can of understanding the reality of this question, whatever it is I'm doing that, that show about. Um, so I don't get a lot of death threats directly from from episodes of the show. What I do get is people emailing me all the time saying, my mom slash co-worker slash friend believes in this. Do you have an episode about this that I can play for them to change their mind? And I always say, yeah, yeah, I do, but course. don't play that for them Right. because all you're going to do is create a problem. You're going to get into it with them, mm. and, and they're going to dislike you. They're going to distrust anything else you have to say to them on the topic. Instead, here's this episode, this episode, this episode that are about milder topics that everyone is generally on board with or that's just about some interesting science question. Play that for them instead because they're going to be very receptive to that. And then mm. maybe they'll get interested and want to hear another episode. Yeah, and honest. maybe they'll want to get interested and hear another episode. And eventually they'll work down toward... They'll, they'll start to build an appreciation for the value mm. of going the distance and finding out what's really going on with a, with a question. And they may come to the solution on their own. Or they may finally come to that episode. They'll be much better prepared, much yeah. more receptive
0: for it. How, but how do you feel when you realize that you were wrong... And you change your mind. How does that feel for you guys? When
2: did that ever happen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, the the topics that I do, and I shows
2: and about- I don't
0: and I don't mean like in terms of like someone presents evidence for Bigfoot. I mean, you thought you left your keys in the car, but it turns out they were in your jacket.
2: Oh, car. that happens all the time. My goodness me. Um, for me, arguments with people because I thought this happened and that, mm-hmm. and then I find out I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, it sucks. But really, yeah. Well, I mean, no huh. one likes to. to, to
0: I love you know. it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I really. So I like. Maybe I'm. I'm. I'm wired a little weird. <laughs> but I really like. Like when someone I it, makes I, an argument to me that I find convincing and compelling, right, right. I get so excited.
2: Yeah. Oh, and, or okay. This when is when
0: a different point of view. Yeah. When well, I argument. find out that reality and it's this weird feeling this weird thing i tried to describe to people and i haven't found the right analogy but but when i think i've eaten the last piece of cake and i'm like oh there's no more cake and then i go to the fridge and i open it up and i'm like whoa behind the you know the stupid cabbage there's a piece of cake mm-hmm. i get to eat a piece of cake and that feels good it's suddenly reality you know, reveal to you the truth about the other cake, cake. It's all right. You re- reveal to you, and and like yeah. different versions. It's like this tickle in my brain that I really thrive on. Is like finding out that I'm wrong, and I find it really fun. All right, right. all right. Yeah, I, mean, I, can yeah.
2: I, 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 hear you. I still get annoyed, but the the, the older I get, and the more that happens to me, the more at least I realize because we know memory is fallible, which a lot of people can't. Mm-hmm quite comprehend so a lot of people say i know what i remember it can't be any other
0: way yeah.
2: uh, and i know memory is fallible. it's still a bit jarring when it happens yeah. that's all
0: and you know and i think you know thanks to the internet we can end the pointless argument so like i'll say some bogus fact and my wife will say no no it's this and i'll be like no really and then i'll look it up and that moment where i look it up and i find out the re- the right answer for me it's delight My response is okay. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I I guess we're talking about a slightly different. Yeah, yeah. I
0: agree with you. Right, it is delightful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because you now have a more realistic model of the universe in your mind. That it that you now what what was a piece of errant thinking has been replaced with a piece that better matches reality. And but I don't think my experience is common. I don't think it's normal. I think people people you're right find that unpleasant.
2: Well we sorry, I just about to say what we hear a lot of the times is people say to me, Ah, oh, you skeptics, you were wrong about this, 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 and this. And I'll say, you were wrong about the, the earth being flat. <laughs> what what? But the best one I I I was doing a TV show and somebody said, Oh you skeptics, you were wrong about acupuncture. And I said, No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and still not. And still not. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people are of the opinion that skeptics get things wrong all the time. Mm. It's really interesting.
1: Well, I think one of the most important things to be aware of for everyone is that we all believe things that are, that are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to weed them out. I want to weed them out. Yeah. I don't know what they are or I would have already weeded That's them That's right. Out. But it does happen. And, yeah. and like you yeah. say, it's delightful when it does happen. And sometimes it's... Sometimes it's pretty challenging. It's like, no way! I knew that that was true. Come on,
2: yeah. especially and when yes. you remember
1: something clearly. You
2: remember <laughs> yes. something, and it turns out yeah. that's yeah. not what
0: happened. But the yeah. thing that that is present is the evidence—the cake behind the cabbage. Yes. Yeah, right. That's what makes the that that transition for me. When you when you make that discovery of when reality sort of forces its way into your brain again, it's because there's overwhelming evidence. And so I think the trick is it's our ability to distinguish evidence that I think sets those kinds of, of that sort of philosophy or sort of psychology apart. Like yeah. I think for some people, they have a hard time, I don't know, like like getting the evidence that they need, the like evidence that, that's, that they, is sufficient if, for them. If they ever
2: go that far in their thinking, you know, a lot of people we deal with simply think at a – more fundamental level I don't know how else to put it
0: well but I think we all I mean we all understand when reality you know when you fall and you're like I didn't think I was I didn't think though there was a step here and you take a step and you realize that there's actually a, one more step than you <laughs> thought and then <laughs> that's and then, jarring that's jarring <laughs> yes, and nature yeah. and reality updates you with the steps you had in front of your house and nobody is going to question that evidence and so how do we how do we find evidence? Or how do we help people understand when the evidence is I sufficient? I think
2: Brian's, Brian's attitude is a, is a good attitude because you know, I've had years and decades of, of not getting through to people with clear, calm arguments where they get more and more frustrated and angry. And it's, it, is, mm-hmm. it just gets counterproductive. You can't
1: go after someone's sacred cow. No, no matter how wrong their sacred cow is, mm-hmm. it's important to them. And you've got to deal with this on a, on a human level. And when something is important to someone, respect that. And if you need to help them get to a different place in their thinking, don't go that way. Find another way that still respects their sacred cow. Let them come to be the ones that question that rather than having it attacked from outside.
2: Yeah. yeah it's a, because we get back to this point of we all put up our barriers to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? We protect our egos. It's, it's very natural. Uh, case in point is, many years ago, I was on a TV show where I um, tested these so-called wristbands, the power balance bands. From, mm-hmm. It was a craze. And I tested the Australian distributor of these power balance right on, on television. Now, I was of the opinion that he really believed these were wonderful things, you know, and he was helping to spread the word and making money and is having a great time. And when he failed all the tests, it's like the water diviners, when they failed all the tests, their, their brains kick in to protect their belief. So he ultimately came away with the conclusion that they were fake T V tests. That's why he failed. The water divine will say, Well my rods weren't working because the cow was over there and right. of course it doesn't work. Or your
0: cameras have magnetic fields or
2: whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They have to yeah. the brain will will find a way to protect the belief. Yeah, the dragon can't
0: be seen in infrared. When we yeah. get
2: back to this again, right? Yeah. It's the dragon in the garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the modern this you know maybe a little controversial but I think the modern skeptical movement is seen as a bad thing. Like back in the day yeah. when it was James Randi and he was this adorable old man who you know defiantly dared people to prove their paranormal experiences and they all failed and he kept his money um, and there was like a and we all got inspired by that. And then started to have these uncomfortable conversations that were were kind of self-defeating. But I think that skepticism now has a kind of negative connotation. And, is it, and partly, I think, it's because the term has been co-opted oh, yeah. by other groups. Yeah, it's
1: a terrible word. Terrible word. If, and, if I
0: say I'm a skeptic,
1: people go, oh, you're the people who believe uh, 9-11 was an inside job. Or, you're the people who believe uh, global, warming global warming is right, skeptic, what, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Vaccine skeptic. Yeah. 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 And yeah. the misbehavior of prominent skeptics. Nobody in this room, of course. <laughs> well, not. like what? I'm... Well, I think people, you know, there's a lot of skeptics, you know, and I don't, I don't want to name names because I just don't feel like it's productive, right? But I think that there's been, a, it has gotten sucked into other movements, yes, that are like that are mm-hmm. misogynistic, that are, um, you know, anti-trans. Like there's a lot of okay, but I, I, I think I
1: think you got to draw a distinction. I mean, people can have more than one interest because <laughs> someone may
0: have gone down one of those roads. Doesn't say anything about scientific skepticism. No, but I think it. I think it, it. It pollutes the perception of skeptics from. Like I think for a little while there, people appreciated skeptics being around, I and mean, maybe you guys don't experience that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think for a little while there, you know, maybe. Um, I'm like, yeah, maybe I, I I'm, haven't.
1: I haven't been. Maybe haven't I'm living
0: that. in a bubble. But yeah. I think for a while there, or maybe it was just the skeptic movement itself was. Well, that's why I try. I, I,
2: I, in Australia, I you know I try desperately to keep mm. keep out. Focus, yeah, where it should be. Right, right. Yeah. You start straying into these other things. Uh, people say to me, for example, well, why don't you skeptics take on um, atheism? Why aren't you, like, you know? And I say, well, it's another issue, and there are other people out there more qualified than I. To like, deal with like, that.
0: why don't you be more atheist? Yeah, why aren't we running right.
2: around in front of churches saying God right. is not real? So, that's for other people. You know, they they're better qualified than me. Right. My interest is this. Right. And sometimes people get very upset. When me as a skeptic uh, or we as skeptics don't go and follow what right. they consider is important.
0: Right. It's really interesting. Right. But theres I mean, there's an endless number of people that are willing to step into those battle, you know, Better. take on QAnon, take on well, all kinds of truth claims. And, then, and like that's the heart of it, right? Yeah. It's just a truth claim. Someone makes a yeah. truth claim and then you say, how do you know? And then they present how you know, how they know, and then you have to decide whether you find the evidence. And I, and I don't like
2: to stray too far out of what I consider my area of expertise is. Uh, I, I have a particular expertise in f- analyzing psychic mm-hmm. goings-on, for example, and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And um, then I say, well, okay, at a certain point, there are other people more qualified to talk about the Catholic Church and the God problem mm-hmm. or whatever. But,
0: but, but do you think, is it because it's too... Difficult and too emotionally taxing to do or because there's important work to be done No, I think it's I think it's counterproductive
1: for example I would say that if I were to say that I have an expertise it would be or a a main focus core competence However, you want to put it it would be the truth behind urban legends pick an urban legend I -hmm. want to find out what really happened if anything because often it was nothing and then the interesting question becomes well How did the belief Mm -hmm. arise and everything? So, if you say, picking something at random, but Mothman isn't real, okay? Now, there is an interesting story behind how the Mothman legend came to be, right. why people think it's real, what, uh, there's a lot of really interesting sociology and history there. That's the important lesson right there. Me going and standing in a street corner with a sign that says Mothman isn't real, that is completely unproductive because right. it doesn't teach any of those lessons. Yeah. Not a single one. It just makes me look like a big
0: jerk. Yeah. But do you think which, which is easy to yeah, do? you don't need any help. Yeah. with that is <laughs> so. Certainly. But I, you know, we're in this modern age of of the internet, and people, anybody can say anything on the internet. Anybody, you know, we're seeing a lot of of stuff that is nonsense, and now it's kind of being fueled by artificial intelligence. People are able to generate nonsense at at industrial scales. <laughs> are we prepared? Is society prepared to deal with this? with the current tools that they have, sort of, you know, psychologically. I, I'm, not,
1: I'm not worried about that. This is a question that we get a lot. Um, it's always some form of, hey, the Internet makes it so much easier for yeah. bad information to propagate. Uh, does that make, you know, are we going to have a bigger problem with more people believing weird stuff? And the answer that I always give, and which I still believe, is that it's like a rising tide that, that raises all boats
0: equally. Right. This is how so, you get Mick West's.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. So Mick West can, can provide the information that he provides much more effectively now that the Internet exists and YouTube and everything. Mm-hmm. So just as you can provide fake information over the Internet, you can also provide good information over the Internet. And it, at the end of the day, it comes down to who is a better communicator and who is putting together the best presentation. Um, you know, we do the best that we can do, Yeah. Um, and the people selling crap are also doing the best
0: that they yeah. can do. But and you also have reality on your side. Well, this helps. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that that helps. Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if people were saying you could you could jump up
1: buildings and slap <laughs> your yeah, yeah, arms, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. They so would sell many. I had this exact conversation. We were on a panel at TAM Australia Whenever that was, that was uh, 2012. No,
2: that was 12
1: years. So I was on a panel, and Randy was sitting right next to me, and we had that exact conversation. Does the internet make it easier or harder for information or bad information? And I just gave the answer I gave. I don't think it makes any difference. Randy, sitting right here, goes, "But we're right," and he bangs (laughs) his hand on the table, and the crowd goes, "Yay!" (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that is not a factor, right? Because that is not the basis on which people decide what to believe. When they hear a claim, they don't go look up research papers to see what's true. They just
0: accept anecdotally what they're pre Shh. what they're preconditioned to accept. Sure, but but like the cake behind the cabbage, you know, the cake is really there and I just need to update my, my notions, you know, my preconceptions about whether or not it's there or not, right? And so, like, when it comes to each one of these things, if you are going to test a person's device, if you are going to examine the chupacabra, you're going to come to, you know, you're going to come to a conclusion. But reality has got your back. I see your point. Mm-hmm. I do. I right? do see your point. And I think that's you know, and and that that constrains the nonsense to the periphery of of what is credible.
2: And, and, and another interesting thing about modern skepticism, and I'm becoming I'm to realize this more and more because it's going on year after year after year after decade after decade after decade. We have a, a, a wealth of um, experiences and examples now to point to when we come across any claim or people come to us. We can now go back and say many inside many instances that support our point of view rather than the other point of view. What was that? Somebody said, is it in your movie that every case of uh, a UFO that's been? Uh,
0: hmm. It was in this movie, yeah. Yeah. It has had a,
1: in, in every UFO that's yeah. ever been identified, yeah. not one of them has not ever one. been an right. extraordinary craft.
2: right? Or, or in, in my point of view, no, flying saucers. every mystery that has ever been solved has been in, something mundane. Has not one time ever been the answer has been paranormal supernatural.
0: We've no never point. found any ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. And and you know, if we did find a chunk of metal from an alien spacecraft and it was clearly not of human origin, yeah. then then everything would be different. Yeah, like it would be, like, the outcome would be the exact opposite of the world we're living in right now, in which is that the evidence would be obvious. We know we're there. That's there and then we would be considering the consequences. Same thing with ghosts, like, you, like, what does it mean to know that I'm gonna come back as a ghost and haunt my family? How do I prevent that? How do I manage this? How do I think about this, right? Yeah. So so all of these, because they have such serious outcomes, if they were true, you'd want good evidence. So what what do you think the future holds then? I mean, as we move into this bold new era of, I mean, I think about like artificial intelligence, is not able to, you can't even trust what it says. Like it makes stuff up and it's not even oh, like, it's yeah. not even trying. Like it just makes <laughs> stuff up.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can't. And
0: at scale. And like the, and, the, and these things can be subtle and you won't notice. And they'll just sit like little time bombs across the internet. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, I think what it is is when you have, um, Yes, AI can be
1: used to create and propagate misinformation. People create and propagate mm-hmm. misinformation. No, yeah, happening so long before. I AI. don't see that it's any different because you've got to know
0: your source and you've got to do your work, your homework to double check things. Yeah, I mean only that you know the that a person who is attempting to manipulate a human being can have this being done 24/7 I mean like I mean obviously there are social media algorithms that have highly optimized to enrage and confuse and you know this already exists and we see it working at scale so that's just a, a bit of what the future might hold and that's but and that's also been the case though throughout history I mean
1: um, Samuel Adams I guess was in charge of propaganda during the American Revolution and one of his rules, was to enrage the population by creating outrage against the enemy. Right. And that's exactly what the social media algorithms do today. So we're talking about things that humans do just with different tools. So, I really don't see it as a fundamental change or something that we need to suddenly be especially newly worried about. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm also a minority view. I think most of my colleagues would probably disagree and say, hey, we really have to worry about this AI thing. So, I think mine's a, a, important to point out that I think mine's a minority view. But um,
2: I'm, not, I'm not worried. I just don't know what's going to happen. That doesn't mean I'm worried.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things to worry about. You have to sort of decide, what, you know, which of those things you want to be worried yeah. about. Um, but I, I – as there's kind of something really interesting – someone had, had written that I thought was really interesting that, you know, the problem – like, if, if I show you a picture of an elephant, it's vastly easier to, to confirm that something – to say that something is true than it is to generate the thing, right? So if I say, you know, tell me this is a picture of an elephant or I ask you to draw me a picture of an elephant – One of those tasks for a human being is easier to do, right? And so confirmation is easier than creation for human beings. Right. For artificial intelligence, the opposite. So generation (laughs) is easier (laughs) than confirmation. Hmm, Interesting. And it's and it's possible that in fact, because of that, that's the only reason that they haven't run into these endless cycles of improvement, is because everything they make is is to some degree nonsense that if it was if it was flipped then the algorithms could be running 24 7 churning out confirmable facts and would be increasing scientific knowledge and it would be a kind of a runaway condition and so the fact that the robot can can never know if what it's doing is correct leaves it in this sort of state of of inability to improve itself which i find really interesting in- totally tangent, <laughs> yes, <that's> right? Right. <laughs> but, but but that idea that that you know we need to be able to like if we could confirm facts at scale by robots, would that be better for our society or not? It, would, it
2: depends if people wanted to believe them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the I mean, who is the arbiter of what's true or
1: not? And <laughs> yep. any robot is going to have uh, criticism. Yeah, that's 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 a tough one. I mean, there's there's never going to be any 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 substitute for just the good old-fashioned scientific method, which, of you know, some version of which, some simplified version of which is what we all use when we go on to verify a fact. Our friend tells us something. We want to find out if it's true. Yeah. We basically follow a simplified, quick and dirty version of the scientific method to find out. Yeah. Um, if, if there was a book or a robot that we could just turn to and get the, uh, you know, the, the anointed, validated truth, then... I would have questions about that, yeah. that source as and it, well.
0: And it appears that that doesn't exist and may never exist, which is sort of weird. Yeah. I hope not. I don't think there ever should be an arbiter of what's true. what's true. Except for, except for Mother Nature. Always, We believe reality. Um, <laughs> Brian, what are you obsessed with right now? What am I obsessed with right now?
1: Um, we'll edit out this awkward pause. Um I, I try to always pay attention to what popular belief is causing the most harm. And by harm, it can often be something as simple as spreading and causing more people to believe in something that's false. So I look at right now, I would say it's vaccine denial. And I would also say the UFO thing. Um, because the UFO thing has, you, know, you look into the, the past of how this all came to be, um, up until 2017, when it really exploded, it has such a horrible foundation of such a, a very few people with very strange beliefs who had an incredibly successful um, job at getting this into the public consciousness. You know, basically, they just killed it with the media and the, mm. and the PR, and now half the people believe that aliens actively visit the Earth. That's astounding to me. So that's why I made the UFO movie. Yep, yep. Because that was one of the issues that I saw was at the forefront right now. This is the place where we need to point our tools for helping people to um, to learn what's real and what's not. So it, it's probably still that right now, and yep. I'm looking forward to what's the next thing because I got to make another movie next year. Yep, Richard.
2: I was I, racking my brains when you ask the question. I don't think I'm particularly obsessed. I, you know, I enjoy what I do very much. I enjoy making my podcast very much. Um, not to an obsessive degree well when i use that que- when i use that question what am i engaged in at the moment? yeah it's
0: like it's like there's there is a thing that is like a there's an idea that is forming in your mind and you're you're noticing I, and I, patterns I, and you're thinking about it and yeah. you're kind of rolling over your head and it is what will happen what you will create i am a year down the road i'm looking road, forward you know? to
2: the next big project i do i just don't know what it is yet But it will come because in my skeptical career, I've done a series of big projects, about one every five or six or seven years. You know, I completed a a year or so ago, the Great Australian Psychic Prediction Project, which was the largest ever database of psychic predictions analyzed. It was, you know, stupendously it's huge. That was a big achievement. And now that's all behind me. Mm. So I, and one day I'll wake up and say, ah, I know what the next thing is. Mm. I'll do this. Yeah. And I hope to do at least one or two more big ones before I bow out of the, the, the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they are yet. Yeah. yeah. A, I mean, each one of these, though, requires upkeep, right? Like, do you want it? Do you keep? The prediction project? Yeah. Do you-
2: no, yes and no. It Look, it, it's, it's what it was. It was covered a 20-year period. So in that respect, it can be sealed. That was the, anal- the, the analysis of that period. Now, if I add more to the database, it, yeah, I could do that. I could fill around the edges, but I can't see much point because it's sort of been done. But it has inspired, I know other groups, at least one other group here in the United States to do a similar project. So that's
0: great. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of amazing when you hold people's feet to the fire about those kind of predictions. Like, you made the if the people make the prediction, then you mm-hmm. can check yeah. later on if the prediction came true. Which and they're not
2: used to having. Done. No, I know nobody ever
0: does this. <laughs> no,
2: no, especially <laughs> yeah. the media.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So amazing. we'll see. Watch this space. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to say something nice about both of you guys here, so you're going to have to to take this on the chin right now. Um, so, Richard, you watching. You did an interview in Australian television about UFOs and your response about how excited you are about the possibility of there being alien life as a person who is skeptical about UFOs yeah. totally changed my brain about how to think about how we respond to those kinds of questions because I'd always felt a bit like a curmudgeon. And and yet I come from this place where I'm as... as built on science fiction is anybody and i want the the, the answer to be yes there's yeah. aliens yeah. and i think the only difference between me and other people is just that um that i'm just unconvinced by the evidence so far yeah. so thank you for for giving me a role model a, a methodology to approach I'll have these to kinds watch of the this, questions
2: this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, it was just like it
0: was part of some cl- clip of you and okay. i, and, and I watch it and it just was like He's exactly right. Like, the way he answered <laughs> that question is exactly right. And that is the way to tackle this stuff. To be... Silver-toned so devil. Yeah. To be just like... Like, just... Like, how can you not love this person's enthusiasm for this topic? And, yeah, you may disagree with them, but they're not being an asshole about it. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, Brian, you know, your ability to zoom in on on topics that I didn't even think existed... and the the level of research and so the whole reason that i'm doing youtube is because of you so you yeah so you were doing a series of videos where you're standing up in front of a green screen and you were explaining some topic
2: in fact in fact that's it yeah 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 yeah. and you were like i don't
0: know if you were releasing them on youtube or or you're doing something like that and i said Brian is doing. Brian is bravely standing in front of the camera <laughs> and doing these videos. And I know this is the thing that I should do, and so I should follow in his footsteps. And within a year of seeing you do those, I started to do my guide to space, and 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 it's just been going ever since. Brian. So yeah. So well, thanks, thank you. Thank you. both of you I'm are like board. yeah, both of you are sort of like you know combined to my uh, to my current method of doing things. So thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so shamelessly
2: self promote. Richard Saunders from the Skeptic Zone podcast at
1: skepticzone.tv. And I'm Brian Dunning from the Skeptoid podcast at skeptoid.com. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go to the UFO.movie. Yes.
0: I hear they don't want you to see it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the UFO movie, they don't want you to see. Right. Yeah.